if you can turn this fear into your greatest drive in a positive manner, then you could become unstoppable. We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of the Alleycast. I've got another six episodes coming at you in Series 2. Uh, an amazing response to Series 1. Thank you so much for all your feedback. Um, and, you know, any improvements we need to make, we'll certainly make an M. But, uh, you know, it generally it was really, really positive feedback. And I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. And that certainly makes me want to continue them um, and support the Gone Tabbing community. So... Um, we've got a few challenges going on at the moment. We have the Alicast 4448. Now, you can sign up for that challenge by going over to the Alicast website. But first of all, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Um, and this is inspired by a challenge that is in a book called um, Living with a Seal. If you've not read that book, read it. It's the first time that David Goggins came into the uh, the limelight, really. And it, it's a very uh, it's a very funny but a very, very challenging book as well. So, uh, yeah, the 4448 challenge. If you go to, over to alicast.org, if you drop down the menu, there is a menu there for the challenges. If you go into that, you can sign up for that challenge. You can make the payments. Once you've made the payments, um, it goes towards supporting the podcast and any profits from that will also go to the Pilgrim Bandits and we'll make a donation at the end of the year. So get yourself over there. You've got all year to do it. You can sign up now. You can commit to it. Um, you can create some accountability for yourself and then you can complete that challenge sometime within within 2020. We also, um, over on the Gone Tabbing page, have the Himalaya 1600 Challenge. Uh, that is to um, run 1600 miles over the next um, over, over the next 12 months. And it will be backdated to January, so any, all your Strava history from them will go towards that. It comes from the guys who brought you the Bring Sally Up Challenge. Um, yeah, so it's certainly a challenge that I'm going to be undertaking as well as my own. Profits again on that are going to the uh, Pilgrim Bandits. So get yourself over there, get the signed up. Um, it, it's a challenge that runs all year, um, and it's you know it's it's really really achievable if you just want to get out there every morning. And again, it's creating accountability for yourself and just getting out there. So uh, today's chat um, is with Pav Singh. Pav Singh is um, one of the contestants on Series Five of SAS Who Does Wins. He gave us some great insights into the program. Uh, but we also veered off and we talked about sort of physical fitness. Um, series 2 is going to talk a lot about mental fitness as well. So we talked about that. We talked about resilience. We even veered off into the ancient Stoics and um, <laughs> into spirituality. But he, he was a, he's a top bloke. Uh, and he gave me an insight into the Catherine Yomp as well, which isn't an event I've, I've really looked at so far. But I believe it's up 56 miles up in Scotland, um, yomping all the way. And it's something that I'm definitely going to be putting on my calendar for 2021. So let's go over and let's hear my chat with Pav. So I'm speaking to um, Pav. And Pav is a contestant that you will have seen 
on the latest um, the latest edition of I think Series Five now, isn't it? Of uh, SAS Who Dares Wins. Um, That's right. Yeah. I, I'm going to try and not put any spoilers out there, just in case anybody's still watching it on catch up when this goes out. Um, but if oh, okay. it, I, I, I can't hold my own water, so I might do anyway. I don't know. Um, so uh, you you're quite into um, your tabbing and and your yomping, aren't you? Because I think the, the first time I became aware of you is when you put a post up on the uh, on the Cataran Yomp Society. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I just started with the yomp back in 2016. Was my first yomp, and that was probably actually inspired by watching the first series of Who Dares Wins um, because I, I, I saw that and I thought, oh, I want to try and do something similar to that mm. or, you know, a, a take on some kind of, you know, scary challenge, something that you feel that is is impossible to do. And walking 54 miles at that point in my life was like, wow, this is going to be yeah. insane. You know, um, I actually saw the the ad on Facebook the, the Catran Yomp ad on Facebook. Yeah. So I just I clicked on it and and I thought, well, I could give this a go. Um, and it, the journey just started from there. I'm not really as you know, apart from the Yomp, not much of a hill walker yeah. per se. But you know, I only got I was so naive for my first <laughs> Yomp. I, I I just trained like I walked around my hometown in Slough, right. up and down the, the road bridges, did a bit of treadmill work, mm. <laughs> um, and then you turn up on the Yomp and you find out what kind of a beast it is. Yeah. Um, and like I, I remember, I got to bronze, and uh, my like my both my legs just stopped moving. I just cramped up completely. <laughs> and then sounds like yeah, a very it, familiar story. That <laughs> it was horrible. And then they gave me a massage, and I could be, I, be, I barely waddled to the toilet. Mm. And then I was like, okay, this is this is reality now. <laughs> this is a lot more worse than I imagined. And then, then I had a choice of, do you want to carry on uh, and or not? And I was like, well, I didn't come all this way just to get a bronze. So mm. I thought, at least to get to the next checkpoint. And that was late. It was like 7 p.m. And I remember just that the next seven hours, seven and a half hours was just full of pain. And I got, I think I got lost somewhere on the way as well. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting two silver at like half two in the morning. Excellent. And I was I was retired then because it was beyond the check, check uh, cutoff point. Mm. Uh, and But that whetted my appetite, really. And then uh, I went back in 2017 and only made it to the bottom of the hill of Aleph, uh, <laughs> okay. 46 miles. Yeah, that was at 7 a.m. in the morning. And that was the worst. I had lots of chafing of my balls that day. That was the, <laughs> that was the worst pain, man. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's great within yeah. this sort of this sport that, that that is emerging now that we we say things like like you've just said there. I, I only made it to forty six miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the mentality, isn't it? You have to have. <laughs> I know. So, were you heavily involved in in sport before then and keeping fit, or was this your sort of first foray into it? This was probably my first outdoors type of challenge because when I was a teenager, I did taekwondo just you know to mm. get into something my parents started me off in that just like you know to get me yeah. doing some kind of physical activity and then when i started uni it was that stopped because it, obviously i was living i wasn't having time to come back to that um and then it, i was just a normal gym gym guy really yeah um and it just started just going starting lifting weights and i kind of went towards the kind of powerlifting side of things yeah um and that's it and then but i always i wanted more you know yeah yeah yeah. just being in like the four walls of of the gym Mm. um and yeah i mean you work in the medical profession don't you so um do you how do you find the time to train really because i know that's that's probably you know a lot of us who do sort of involve ourselves in in this type of sport are quite time poor really but you know i i i've got my own strategies for for finding a way But, but what's yours how do you work your training around work 
it is a bit it is hard because we're not only doing your standard daytime hours but we have on call rotors so you got to pretty much look at your rotor and then work your way around that so you you know you're when you're working weekends um um the other annoying thing is with medicine you don't really have a a finish time you you kind of finish when the patients finish Mm. at the end of the day so if you get stuck with something complicated your your plans for the evening have to be changed because you're stuck at work Mm. and you know so I i would just try and find time whenever i could i would like train maybe just three times a week with my for, for weights and when i'm for my yomp training it was li- literally just once at the weekend like luckily you know find a sunday yeah. and go and walk for like four or five hours i never was fully able to f- stick to that plan that is it yolanda Gratton? is it her she, she sends out a plan yeah. that's the, the yomp team send yeah, out yeah. and trying to get a 12-hour walk in the weekend is just impossible because of yeah. this other commitments yeah, but no work. Work has made life hard <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> and I think it does result as that. I mean, but uh, you know, and I think particularly with this sport, I think it, I think particularly it's okay, mate. I think particularly with this sport, it is it is mainly a mindset thing, isn't it? So it's it's fitting that training around your normal work life, and you know, I mean, you know. I get home from work. Sometimes I'll be sort of out the door at four o'clock in the morning. I won't get home to sort of eight o'clock at night. But it it is getting into that mindset yeah. that you've got to do that, isn't it? I think you're right because you you have to, like you said, you have to make the time. Mm. And if it's if you're something if it's something you're committed to and you kind of made that decision that is a goal you want to achieve, you will find time. Mm. Like I remember when I was before this um, before this series of Who Dares Wins. Um, they called me up saying, we, we really like your application, but um, your your swimming is really poor. As in, you, basically, you can't swim. So can you try and f- learn how to swim please, in four weeks? <laughs> yeah. And then at that point in my life, I had no time for anything else. I was just about doing, getting enough land-based training in, you know, for the mm. potential of going on the show. And then I had to make a decision like, right, I've got to find some time now yeah. To, yeah. to learn this. And you just make the time somehow. So you actually learn to swim, and say, looking at the latest series, there's a lot of water in that series, isn't there? Yeah. And it's not yeah, just it's, too it's, much. <laughs> it's not just dropping you into the local swimming pool either. <laughs> it's it's um you know it's the sort of thing you see on the Navy SEAL training, isn't it? It's sitting there in water. It's you know I think and how did the series open with just dropping you into water, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's this time it's very like uh, uh, naval warfare. Mm. Um, it's very special boat service based, which. As a fan of the show, I was if I was looking at the series, and if you asked me which one would you least prefer to be on, <laughs> it was like it'd be either this one or Jungle Phase. And yeah. I was like, I've never swam before, and now they're just been throwing me into the sea every day. So yeah, the first episode was just like we we. I remember they took us in the boats, yeah, and then the boats were going towards this island, and we could we could see some figures on the land. And I was like, that's probably where the DSR and the production team are. Mm. And then the boats just stopped, you know quite a long way from shore and you're like wondering oh god what's gonna happen next <laughs> and the best you saw there's like all right we're gonna make some passes and you guys are gonna jump on my command yeah and that was that so, so within four weeks you went from a non-swimmer to a swimmer to, to get onto the series is that what is that what you're telling me i managed to go from a non-swimmer to my best effort was yeah. i did one i did one length i did 25 meters in the pool in training um and on my own unaided and I, I sent that to the production team, and they were like, "Okay, that's at least a basic proficiency, so fine." Right. In. Okay. In a nutshell, I think that was it. 
Um, but they're, they're quite good because obviously they assessed us again. And mm. we, those of us who are very, very poor swimmers were given flotation like vests just, you know, to stop us from actually drowning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that rings very familiar to me really, because I'm, I'm at 47 now. I'm still a non-swimmer, but I've not found, <laughs> I've not found the reason to make me want to swim. I've signed up for swimming lessons a couple oh, yeah. of times, but I've not really wanted it enough, you know, but I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to sign up for an event like a, a triathlon or something that means <laughs> that I've, I've got to go and do it. I don't know. It'll make you do it. True. <laughs> Yeah, no, so, I remember, but there's so much effort involved. Yeah, but, yeah. brilliant. So, uh, say so, so when I, when I saw this series, because I think if you look at the if you look at the DS in uh, in SAS Udo's wins, there was a, up until this series there was only sort of Billy Billingham wasn't it who was actually SAS. The rest were sort of SBS. SBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've been quite surprised that they've not sort of included that before. And when I when I saw the um, the Facebook posts going out a couple of months ago, sort of previewing what they were going, to, I could see it was Scotland. Then I thought, oh, this is this is going to be sort of, sort of cold and wet. Now, what was the what was the actual um, selection process like to actually get on the program then? Oh, so there's a um, applications kind of go out from the production company Minnow Films mm. online. They just release they release an application form yeah. uh, roughly springtime. I think it's April or May. Um, and you fill that in. It's, it's, it's very comprehensive. Um, they'll ask you many questions about yourself, you know, what, what drives you, what stresses you out, what's your worst fears, that, that mm. kind of stuff. Um, and then if they like it, you're invited to a casting day, which is involves the fitness test, which I believe is the British military fitness test because yep. you have a you got to do the bleep test to a certain standard yeah, yeah. and press-ups and sit-ups and to a, a certain number in a certain time. Um, picking up these sandbags. Yeah. Um, after that, if you pass the fitness test on the day, you then are interviewed by a member of the production team yep. in a, like a one-on-one setting in, in front of camera. And again, they just ask you questions about yourself. Mm. And then I assume, I assume then that goes is taken away. And then they will sit down and have a look at it. And then they choose the people. Obviously, they have everyone's really fit, and a fair amount of people make it past the basic fitness. And yeah. then. I guess they're trying to take a certain amount of certain types of people to create certain stories that they obviously want the mm. show, you know, to, to, to display. Yeah. And after that, after that, so then as a, as a, as a contestant, you kind of, I guess, receive notification roughly everyone varied. Some people really received notification, say about a few weeks before some people a week before some people like two days before mm. going out. Cause they have like a, I guess they have a reserve list as well, people coming and going and dropping out. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Really. Then you just sit and wait. And then when you're told you, you, you're in, you're in. And then, I mean, I remember I was, it's a t- I, I knew I think about, about maybe two or three weeks, something like that, maybe um, before they took us off. Yeah. We go. And then it was literally the Tuesday night and they were like, right, someone's going to pick you up 6.30 in the morning, take you to the airport. And that was it. That's where it all began. <laughs> okay. So, so you had no clue where you were going or what the city was going to entail no beforehand? Clue. No clue whatsoever. Yeah, people tried to figure it out, and uh, I think one of our recruits, she's quite on the ball. She had pretty much figured it out compared to like looking at posts and what where they had gone before. Mm. Um, we we turned up at Luton Airport. There's about four of us from sur- the surrounding area, yeah. and then it was only when we went to the check-in desk that they gave us tickets to Inverness. Right, okay. right, right, Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So so when you arrived in Inverness, did you was all the rest of the contestants there? Did you, did you meet them straight away or was it was it a further process than that? 
No, and it's further than that. So everyone's coming from different locations, different airports and different times as well. So we got to Inverness. It was just the four of us and a member of the, the, the production team. And then we got into a, like a, it was a taxi and we went, it was like a two hour drive to the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. The West Coast, where, to Sky, mm. uh, yeah, the Isle of Sky. No, that, that's where we were. We, st- we got there first, actually, our bunch of four. And you just, then we were in a hotel. And uh, eventually, throughout the day, the rest of the recruits came in. But we were kept separate. Okay. We weren't allowed to talk. Yep. Because we weren't allowed to, um, you know, like, mix our stories yet. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and that was it. And then people came in. And then, obviously, inevitably, people do talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, we were there for a, few, a day or two because they have to go through safety briefings and all that with mm. us. Um, and then the, the it began on a Friday. It was like a 3 a.m. start. And we all just we all walked down to the dock, uh, and then the boats came and picked us up, and then the, that's the boats you saw yeah, on yeah. the first episode. Okay, so you were literally picked up from that dock, taken out, and that was when you were dropped off. I think it was the island of Rasse, was it? Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just dropped off and, and told to swim to the shore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, so, so you had absolutely no clue that that was going to happen. Like you say, you saw the you saw the guys on the on the shore and thought, well, that's a production team of DS, and we've we've just got to, with you know, they're almost going to sort of drop us off there. That's uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty yeah, brutal, pretty, isn't it? I would say from day day one, it was at four eight three a.m. or four, 4 a.m. Mm. From that moment, you had no idea what was going to happen next. Excellent. Literally from that 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 darkness when those boats picked us up, mm. you have no one told. They weren't going to tell us anything. We were every single moment. We're looking at the corner and looking at all these new faces we're seeing. Like who? What's going to happen? Who is he? Who's that guy? Is yeah, he a yeah. cameraman? He looks quite tough. He looks scary. Is he one of the DS? <laughs> it was just complete anxiety. And then I remember when when day day had broken and we had got we went to one of these like uh, like a ferry port somewhere mm. um and then the first moment when we saw the ds and they came onto our boats yeah that was when it became real it's like my god it's actually them you know I, it was it was foxy ollie and billy yeah yeah in yeah. the flesh you know <laughs> so obviously they had the mole this time they had jamie there as well did did he arrive with you as part of the contestants on sky oh, they yeah. just had no clue he he was a i'm now now knowing back and you look back at you for what a sneaky guy he was <laughs> he was one, he was just one of us he was one of the recruits very unassuming yeah yeah i don't remember i don't remember seeing him in the hotel he was probably there but he just he was just so quiet and you don't really believe that they would go that far as to plant the mole even in your in alongside you in the hotel yeah that was that was pretty to say he was the real sort of gray man this time wasn't he if, i think he was, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, if it hadn't been pointed out to the viewers i don't think any and they just left it i don't think anybody would have point, pointed out the mole as to to who he was we so, were all in the, in the camp we were all they don't we were all just we used to joke around but you know there's a mole this time i wonder yeah. who's the mole and we were accusing every each other, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, his his name was flagged up because because he looked the part. He looked yeah. quite. He looks like a military man, you know, and he's got that look about him. And he was quite good at stuff. And when he was due to recruit, he was he was quite organized. Mm. You know, we used to give him we used to give him that you have to give the duty recruit like a list of stuff if you need it. If anyone's yeah. having problems yeah, yeah. and the duty recruit goes to DS, little did we know that he's not actually going to transfer our requests he's just going to get kit kats you know <laughs> and i was seeing that I was, I was looking at that how cruel it was they were just giving him all sorts yeah. of food whatever and he's coming but oh, brilliant i remember i used to he was asked, like jamie i was like jay um I, I, i'm missing a bucket mate could you ask him if i got, can I have a bucket and he's like, i never got my bucket and because he's having kit kats all the time isn't it <laughs> <laughs> 
brilliant. So, so when you got ashore there, I mean, it's to say anybody who's seen the first episode, you were all absolutely freezing, told to strip down and all that. So, so what on that first day? What did that look like to you guys? What actually happened? Because I'm, I'm sure there's an awful lot that's edited out from the uh, from the actual final cut. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we were. Yeah, we did a. We were like we were beasted on that beach for a bit. Mm. It was like different, like crawling, squatting, pressing press ups, etc. Yeah. Um. We had we had to crawl up the hill, and then the path was quite narrow. And some of us, including me, ended up going through like a, a bush of thorns mm. and stinging nettles, and that cut my legs up pretty bad because there's like naked legs on on yep. thorns, and that that kind of that had me really scratched up for a number of days. And then we were then we were just running down and running up and down the hill and uh, there was there was a road we're just running down the road and again at certain points at the we standing there and like right down you know 50 press-ups burpees um and eventually yeah you don't you just don't know when it's gonna end and it's just start straight away and it was so intense it was mm. i mean I, I, that's why i understand the two guys that pulled out at that stage yeah it just hits you like a truck it hits you like a truck it's mm. just they, they don't do not relent they just scream at you and you just literally just this you know semi-naked withering wreck yeah. cold and and tired and fatigued um but you just gotta you remind, remind yourself while you're there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was there any point on that first day where you were thinking this is enough for me and i've, I've had enough of this now i'm gonna go or was it just i'm just gonna it's easy to say switch off but it's almost just switch on isn't it and just just crack on and just yeah. just do what you need to do no definitely not because because I've because I've pushed myself to that place before in training, mm. uh, you kind of know. Okay, we're at this horrible place now, but you, you, I knew that this is what I'd come for. Yeah, you know. Yeah. In this, in that, in that dark moment, you're like, this is horrible, but they're saying it's not going to end. But you just keep yeah. going for the next ten seconds, and eventually it will end. Yeah. Um. You know, you just keep repeating that in your head. Mm. Uh. And you, come, yeah. I was, there's no way I was gonna. I was not going to go on that first day. You know, you say to yourself, "Do not be the person who goes first. <laughs> no. Was there any? Was there any sort of people that you looked at on that first day that the other contestants you thought that there's some massive egos here and and these are really going to make it to the end, or that these are going to be out? Were, were you sort of looking at looking around yourself at the different people, or were you just really focused on yourself? You do that on yeah. I mean, I we, I was doing that um, mm. on when we, were, when we were in the hotel. You know, yeah, when we were sat down. You're, you're sizing each other up. It's 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 natural, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there weren't, I mean, I must say that we didn't have like any big egos or any big alpha types. Everyone was really good. Like we mm. had a really good group, um, that bonded really well as, as the time went on as well. Uh, there were a few, you know, you see things, oh, this guy looks strong. This guy's yeah. all the way, yeah, yeah. but, and you know, there were some you thought I was like, like, and I've, I've, you know, I've shared this with my fellow recruits before. Oh, this one might be a little bit out of, out of their depth, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but it's so amazing because you know we're so bad at we judge people don't we it's natural human mm. reactions to judge people but the complete opposite happened you know you see the people who are very unassuming and they just blasting through the end and not giving a damn and you fought people who you think wow this is going to be some kind of really strong person and then they might find that they can't go on any further yeah yeah so yeah i mean never never judge a book <laughs> by its appearances because <laughs> yeah, they could be a mole after all couldn't they <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, true. And that. brilliant so and that first night did you get much sleep or were you were you literally just back giving you kit and, and just straight back at it 
Oh man, no. The, um, the, I remember those those first two days felt like a whole week had passed. We couldn't even believe that just two days had gone. Mm. But the first night, I'm pretty sure we were beasted on that first night because yeah, yeah. they were they, yeah they were gonna just make us live go through hell. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I think we were because the we we got we were just the first day was just full of activities and then I'll call them activities like it's some kind of school <laughs> trip, but. <you> know, <laughs> um, exercises rather um and then like even the the, the morning of day two we were up at 4 a.m mm. and we were we had to get up like that and that's when they took us off and dropped us off in various parts of the island and said right here's your coordinates go back to that place yeah. we had to find ourselves find our way back and that was 4 a.m and i must have i'm not sure we got much sleep that night before that happened even so so did you have any military experience before that or any sort of map reading out in the you know in, out in the wilds or was it you know was it literally just like like you say with that is the coordinate to get back yeah. and it was like sort of looking around the team none. to see who's got the best skills no yeah none whatsoever i have i've i'm not had any i've never done any military stuff before mm. even map reading not really because even on the yomp even on the yomp um it's it's all nicely signposted you know yeah so, so looking at looking at SAS Huda's wins, what would you say was probably the hardest part for you? I mean, I I've seen the episode from last week, and you know, I think usually when you've gone across them chasms and they've sort of they've, they've done that, it's been hanging beneath the rope. But I think the way they did that last week, where you were facing down and seeing that below you, was that the hardest part, or was it, or were there other parts that were were really bad no? Actually, you? yeah, good question. That 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 I didn't actually, that wasn't to me that was technically difficult yeah the rope yeah yeah you know i think if you it's, it's a technique and i think if i'd got the technique right mm. um it would have been fine and i looking back when i was when, as soon as i came off i was like oh should i drop my leg for a counterbalance all yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff you know the, to be honest the drop i never gave a second <clears throat> thought to the drop because you just don't have time to focus on the drop mm. you're too concerned about the rope and you want you just want to get back on the rope yeah yeah. Um, that was not. I did personally. To me, the most difficult part of the whole course was the constant anxiety, mm. the constant fear of the unknown. Yeah. Uh, which you can't appreciate as a viewer on on watching it on TV, but like when you're living it for 24 hours, you you never know what's going to happen. No. And you're you're just sleep deprived. You don't know when you how when you're going to get to sleep. It's constantly cold and wet. It's all the small admin tasks. Like when we, even when we came back from an exercise, your clothes are so just drenched through, and you've got to dry them quickly because mm. you don't know when you called out to go out next. Mm. Uh, you don't want to have wet boots. Yeah, and you got to your self admin. Self admin took so long because the whole environment was cold and wet. We had two fires amongst all of us. Yeah, um, uh, and it was that. That's the thing that grinds you down. And then in terms of, I say, if I was to pick out one event. Probably the log carry was the most yeah, brutal yeah. because yeah. It, it took out so many people. People were just fainting and falling over themselves mm. because there was a lot more than was shown because we had to then the, the log was carried back down into a lake. Yeah. And we carried the log into <laughs> wow. a lake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, the, they're still lying there today, actually. There's someone's put a photo up there. Those logs are now lying on the shore of that lake. Yeah. Uh, until someone brave comes and takes them, I guess. Uh, and then we had to walk back. We had to run back to the start, and that was a false ending. And they sent us back to get the logs, and, mm. and that was interrupting. It was back and forth. It's crazy. Uh, and the weather that day, the weather that day was. I remember them saying, you know, Ant was saying, "Beautiful Scotland has presented herself." You know? <laughs> that that weather was the most horrendous. Sideways rain, gusts and gales, and you're walking up these narrow mountain paths, and we were so close to the edge. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way because now you can say that we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was watching that episode last week with, with the log curry and I was saying to my wife at the time, because I, I am ex-military, I was, I'm only, I, I was in the Air Force, but so we, we right. did sort of limited amount of, of that sort of training. But, you know, I do remember at one point during the training doing a log carry and it's probably the most miserable thing that I ever did while, whilst, I was in, whilst I was in the forces. I must say, just to add to that, just to add to that, actually, and probably the, the ones that the the events that would really shake you would be the nighttime beastings because you you yeah. just gone to you settle down you've gone to sleep, and they come out screaming and you have to be out there in two minutes and you're taken from, the, imagine a deep sleep state mm. to kind of like one hundred and fifty percent physical effort sustained for about an hour. Yeah, yeah, that was, hard. and then you come back and you have to just find a few hours now to rest before the the morning comes and and the day begins again, and yeah, that was quite insane. So you see, you see the DS on the TV program, and they're just constantly shouting, and they're constantly at you. Is that is that what it's like? Yeah, I mean, no, they they we have times when we used to have some moments where, like, um, I think Ant as chief instructor, he he would he would always kind of be in that mode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even even himself after after we'd all done something like a big exercise, and you know we'd actually done it pretty well, he would say to us like, you know, good effort. Mm. You know, we got that from him. Um, and then they would, he would talk to us about the reason why we did it. And that is where you would learn the reasons why they're making us go through yeah. all of this. Yeah. And that, those were the special moments. That, and that was what I went there for. And I'm really pleased to have got that. Mm. Um, but we'd have times when like for some of the, like the rope climbing and, uh, the abseiling, we had a, we had like a tower in base right, okay. and Billy and I think it's no, yeah. Some of the deer, Ollie, Foxy, they would actually come and teach us. Yep. Okay. Because obviously you can't just go out there and do it. You'd mm. have to do like um, they'd they'd come and teach us. So that they'd be quite normal and chilled out. We'd be we'd have a quite a good laugh with them actually. Mm. Um, but but no. But you, you'd think oh they're warming it to us. But no. As soon as we get back out on the exercise, you, you're coming out of your jeeps like get out your get out your jeeps, get your bergens on. And it was it was full on the whole time. <laughs> so uh, in the I think it's been the past two series, haven't it? You've included the females in the past two series. And involved. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. Are you on the Are you on the Gone Tabin Facebook page, or is it just Catering Yomp that you're on? Just Catering Yomp. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is sort of the, the the podcast of Gone Tabin, so it's it's a really large okay. community now in the UK, and there's loads of us on there. Okay. But but what I found out now, what I found in the past sort of eighteen months or so, is there's been a really large female contingent that's, that's joined, and they're taking part in events such as the fan dance and things like that. And they're, oh, actually, yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. absolutely kicking our backsides. And there's some there's some really hard <laughs> women, isn't there, who, who are taking they part are. in the, in, in the, the TV <clears throat> yeah, program definitely. now? Definitely. I think is yeah, I mean, I think the way, the way society has been over many years is women are just kind of told they're not they shouldn't be doing this mm. kind of stuff yeah yeah it's like the way the way we raise girls we just we teach them that oh no this is not for you this is for boys to do yeah, yeah um we need to move away from that because women can be and we've seen we have seen they can be incredibly strong yeah um you know there's always going to be a difference between the sexes and because it's just biology at the yes. end of the day yeah. yeah yeah you know men have more testosterone for example and all that business if you want to go into the biology mm. but there's no reason why a woman can't train and become as strong as another man. No. Okay? Um, and, uh, you know, like I say, if, 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 if the, the standard shouldn't be changed, but if a, a person can meet the standard, it doesn't matter what gender they are, mm. you know. Um, and no, the girls, you know, the, the women we had on the course were, were incredibly strong. Yeah. Um, and even from my, like, from my background in training, I, I come from, like, you know, I've done, you know, powerlifting and that kind of stuff. I, I've seen women 
lifting insane amounts of weight. Mm. Um, and it just comes down to, I do think you should, you know, allow society's perceptions to put you in a bubble, to put you in a box, to say you can and cannot do this. I'm a, my, I'm a Sikh and in our faith, we had we had women that would go into battle and, and fight yeah. just as well as the men. So my, my view is if you can pick up a, a barbell, if you can pick up a sword, whatever, and you can get the job done, then you have all, all rights to go and do it. Mm, yeah, like I say, most definitely. And it's been, I think, when I first joined, my first Tabin event as a civilian, I think, was probably about three years ago. And as I've covered it in the podcast before, but I was I was quite ill, came out of hospital, and the doctors told me, you're probably not going to run again, you're not going to do a lot of exercise. And I thought, well, within 12 months, I'm going to go and do the fan dance, so that that's what Man. I'm doing. Um, so <laughs> I went out and did that. But even then, it was a very sort of male-orientated event that the, the, the yeah. fan dance was, and very, very quickly... Um, you know, we we've had a lot of females come in, come into to, to the events and say that they're carrying exactly the same weight, they're doing exactly the same distance, and in fact, on this winter fan dance, I didn't actually take part, but I was there recording a a, a podcast, and and the mm-hmm. the, uh, the the girl who who came, the first woman there, she didn't. She didn't even look out of breath when she'd finished. I don't think she realised she was the first woman over the line. You know, was that and, uh, the load bearing category? The load bearing category. Yeah, yeah yes. she, I think I met her. Yeah, so I was there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where were you there this year? Yeah, I was there for the yeah on the sun. I was there for the Sunday's uh, winter fan dance. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, I was there that day as well. So we must have uh, we must have, we must have passed <laughs> each other. But yeah, that was it. I think right. Amy. She was just about to start the just about to start an infantry training as well. So she uh, she she absolutely yeah. flew up. That oh wow. Okay, yeah, and I mean, there you go, yeah, so but, yeah. it's great to see everyone, yeah, women coming into it now. So did you take part in the Winter Fan Dance this year then, did you? I did, yeah, because um, it, um, recruit number 22, Owen, yep. um, the course, shout out to him, he, he's a bit of a machine, mm. um, and he, he had got a, a ticket for it, okay. I think his, his wife bought it for him, and then he was like, does anyone want to come along? And <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, actually, I was quite ill prepared for it because the last time i'd been out in the hills apart from the sas course was back in september you know mm. um and yeah so we just went and gave it a go on on the sunday and we were really lucky because the weather was really good yeah um and they they do a really good job in organizing it oh excellent yeah um, yeah. It was yeah. It was it was a nice day out actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. Not a, not a bad day out on the hills. I think Avalanche Endurance Events who actually organise that event as well. If you if you look further into the their events, they run the the further test week marches for the for the SAS as well. So you can um, I, I took part in in one um, late last year, which was called Black Sabbath. Which was okay. uh, that was pretty much you know we were we had to do a qualifying day on the Saturday which was pretty much around the sort of lines of of probably a very very condensed SES who does Wednesday uh, where he took right. us out into the hills and then on the Sunday it was you know here's a grid reference off you go you can't use footpaths and it was I think I was out for about ten hours that day and that was that was a tough oh event. I see they do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but so, so there's I mean you know and the growth in those events over the past sort of few years has, has been amazing and I think that's been yeah. a lot down to SES who does wins really that it's you know it's brought it into the fore um, exactly people it's taken to the mainstream now it, it has and it's you know i think it's you know that um i was talking to so i don't know if you listen to any other podcasts but i talking to a guy called nick range and he runs a company called elite outdoor fitness he's just broken the world record in leeds for for running a marathon with with a burger oh. on his back um but oh, he, he's ex he's ex special forces as well uh, um right. you know and, and you know the whole functional fitness you know eventually originally came from from the military in afghanistan when they, they couldn't sort of get out and uh, and do the exercise yeah. that's 
that's where the, the CrossFit came from as well. So going back to your, your power lifting, did, did, did you start that um, when you were in university or is that something you really did from a young age? No, it was just a, a no. I mean, it was a progression. I, I just started when I started uni. I just started going to the gym with zero knowledge. I was just like, right, let's do bench press and mm. arms and that, you know, like you do, <laughs> yeah, like a bro, yeah. yeah. Uh, and eventually, I, you know, I started. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to become more efficient and more sensible with my workouts. And then, I kind of orientated towards the the kind of powerlifting style. I wouldn't say I'm a powerlifter per se, because I would say if you compete in powerlifting competitions, then you are a powerlifter. Mm. But my my training gravitated more towards focusing towards the big three lifts, squat, bench press, and the deadlift, okay. um, and then doing other accessory work around that. Because to me, that gave me a good whole body training. Mm. Um, and it was powerlifting special because it's, cause you're eventually you're always going towards maximums, you know, yeah. like yeah, one yeah. rep maxes. And, and that that is where it starts to get a bit scary. Yep. Um, and to me, it was... I like it because I say if your training doesn't scare you from time to time, it's not a very good program because yeah, yeah, you want to go to that place of fear. Mm. Um, and I, like you mentioned about people getting into all these kind of endurance events, you know, walking 50, 60 miles, the weight on your back should put a bit of fear into you. Yeah, but totally. that's a good fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. That, that is something you want to learn to start to embrace mm. and use. Um, and that's, yeah. So, I mean, I, I had a good strength base from the powerlifting, but then obviously I knew before coming onto the program that that's not going to be what I need yeah. on who has wins. So then I, I dialed it down. I was trying to get out into the hills more, trying to run more. Um, the secret I think really, in this is picking heavy stuff up and running with it mm. or walking with it. And you, you will do good on a course like who does wins. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, like, like I said before, I think the, the functional fitness is definitely the way forward. We've we've spent many years, haven't we, sort of just training for marathons and going out there. And that's that's great if you just want to run marathons and it'll give you that base. But you need fitness that just helps you in your everyday you need, life, uh, don't you? I mean, yeah, you need you need a, a base of strength. Like one one coach, don't know his name, he says that the, the strength is the is the foundation of all virtue. Mm. And I agree with that because yeah. I think, you know, even as a runner, if you're walking up hills, you need a good posterior chain, you need good glutes, you need good hamstrings, good strong lower back. And I think if you've got, you know, a, a decent squat, a def- decent deadlift, you've got some kind of muscular strength, you will, you know, when you're carrying people, your spine will be strong, your core will be strong. So I think gone are the days where people are just runners and mm. that's all they do because you need some kind of, I'd say you need a foundation of strength and you need to be able to do everything. You need to be lift stuff, run, run for distance, run for time, run fast, run after people, run up hills, pick heavy stuff up. You need to be able to do all of it nowadays. Mm. And I think one thing I'm really impressed with recently as well, and I think again over the sort of past few years really has been the fact that um, as well as focusing on sort of on, on physical fitness, it, it's now seems to become more recognized in the wider community that, that this is really important for your mental fitness as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that is such an important aspect that people tend to overlook. Mm. Um, what training does, if you if you push yourself in your training, you are presenting yourself with challenges that at one point were impossible for you mm. or you believe you couldn't do it. And now you, you took the plunge and you did it and you got it done. You got mm. it done. And then I think if you do that again and again repeatedly, I I personally believe something in your subconscious changes where you start believing that you can achieve anything. And I think that's what draws people to this game, um, that challenge, that fear. I think all of us have a warrior inside of us, and that warrior is craving Mm. this challenge. Yeah. Um, 
and you know all of society's problems of you know you know like you talk about mental health things like anxiety depression you can find an outlet in training because you can get positive feedback from yourself you can say to yourself i've achieved something and that can give you positivity you know mm-hmm. rather than looking at all the negative stuff in your life and even for kids and youngsters or even even not youngsters but people who are feeling bullied or feeling alone they can go and achieve something that they've done with their own hard graft you know with their own hands and their own efforts mm-hmm. they put blood and sweat and tears into it and that sense of achievement no one can ever take that away from you no. and i think that's what physical training gives us and we shouldn't it's not all about it's not about looking good i mean looking good is fine yeah but there is something more deeper and more spiritual about this and and i think that's why it is it is really important to kind of even get it out into the world you know i'm trying to get people always trying to get people i know into training somewhat just saying just go out there and push yourself and try and see what you can achieve and what you're capable of because you will be surprised yeah yeah totally and i think you know i think one of the best metaphors i've sort of heard for that is um is obviously david goggins when he talks about callous in your mind God. Yeah. that is the man he is the man yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think you know when you when you uh, when you read um I, I recently got the the audio book his latest audio book and i think you can you can buy goggins book and, and read that but if you get the audio book i don't know whether you've had that but he, it's, it's almost like a podcast that he talks in between the chapters oh, wow. as well okay. it's, it's yeah, really yeah. really good but yeah i think that metaphor of of you know if you're picking up tools all day you're going to callous your hands but that doing things that you yes. don't want to do doing things that really really suck and just callousing your mind is it was really really important and something that's probably been missing for from from society for quite a while yep. goggins i the first introduction i had to goggins was when i was watching some interview on youtube i didn't know who he was mm-hmm. and i saw this guy i thought he's really cool and i remember this line now and i always remember this line he goes he says to me training is planned suffering so that when unplanned suffering comes i can be ready and that hit me like I was like this guy has just yeah. has just described what I've been seeking my whole life mm. Mm. um and you know you got to have you got to have two sides you got to have the mind and the body and the spirit all aligned mm. and to me it comes back to back back to my culture and my history we have this concept of a warrior and a saint yeah so you got to have a spiritual side but you also have a, a the physical side but to me they're not separate to me they work together as a synergy yeah so when I'm out there, when I'm training and going through physical hardship, I'm at the same time, simultaneously, my mind is being trained as well to to kind of become under control so I can have a disciplined mind. So, yeah, you're, you're callousing your mind mm. as well as your body at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So what else do you do to to um, to improve your your, your, sort, your mental fitness, if you like, and, and your spiritual side of things? Do you have all the practices that, that you use on top of, of your fitness regime? I Yeah, I mean, I've got a... I have a, a daily routine of, of meditation mm. and prayer, which as, as a Sikh is part of my daily kind of you know, what I do as part of my yep. faith. Um, I try to take, to me, the Sikh faith to me is not like something I do on a Sunday, like, you know, get mm. dressed up and go to a place of worship and yeah, that's yep. it. I try to live it every day of my life. And to me, I'd say, I'd go as far as saying training is a form of worship yeah. because I'm making myself physically and psychologically and emotionally robust so that if the time comes i can be of use to my fellow man yeah and to me that's the core of my faith Mm. um so i'm looking i'm always going inside myself like what situation can i learn something from so if i have a a hard day at work or a boss shouts at me or do i get something you know make a little bit of a cock up Mm. i try to learn from it i'm like okay what can i learn from this if i have a very stressful day and you know, I'm really tired, I have a headache, and I don't want to train, 
I'm like, no, no, this is this is the best time now for you to tell your yeah. mind to be quiet and get the job done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's about ultimately it's all about being aware of yourself, mm. um, how you're how you are reacting to all the various stimuli you receive from the outside world yeah. in the day. And the, there's a bunch of Stoic philosophers. I, I read their philosophy quite a lot. They say, and this makes sense to me, is that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. If you now, like, if if you have, you got to sit down, and you know, Goggin says you, you got to sit down one day and say to my, yourself, "What do I want in my life? What do I want to become?" Mm. Define that, and then do everything you can to get to that goal. You know, mm. and then if you're doing stuff to take yourself to that goal. You will be a happy person. Uh, you got to be just be aware of yourself. It be aware of how you are reacting, and it's all about self awareness. Yeah. Um, so I guess I try to try, try to um, develop a, a sense of self awareness. So I I I'm trying to use all the points in the day to try and learn and improve. And you know your, your mind is always with you. Yeah. You can always try to keep your mind under control and, and yeah. silence it. So, so all of life is a training opportunity. I'd say. Mm. No, no, I totally agree with you there, and I think, I think for a long time, and I don't know whether it's just age that that sort of come to me now, but you know, you live a lot of your life. You know, I think what you're alluding to is, is totally unconsciously, isn't it? You're just going through the same patterns, doing the same yeah, old things, yeah. and and people eat unconsciously, and they they just go about the general life unconsciously, they treat other people unconsciously because you know, they're, they're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, again, they're just in in that sort of pattern, and I think you know, there's there's been a lot of um, as well as. As, as well as moving into the functional fitness, I think in the mental fitness, as you mentioned, the Stoics there as well. And I think if you look at sort of Ryan Halliday's books and things like that, um, on, yeah. on top of that, it, the Stoicism's, you know, it, it's becoming a, a bigger part of society. And it was always, I think, what, you know, sort of 10 years ago, if somebody mentioned a Stoic to me, I just thought, oh, that's somebody who shows no emotion and, you know, they're just void of any sort of, um, you know, void of any. That is the, the dictionary description of it. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's more to it, yeah. But let's say when you you know when you you, you say you, even in modern day you read Ryan Holiday's books or you you know you look back at Epictetus and things like that it's it, it's very much a a very good conscious way of living your life, isn't it? It is it definitely. I mean, one of the one of the concepts is is remember death. Mm. Uh, we don't talk about death anymore. No, it's a it's a topic we shun and we we hide it away because it's scary, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And the Stoics teach that you could die tomorrow. I mean, I, I could die after this phone call, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which is a terrifying thought. But if you learn to harness that fear and use it as a motivation, okay, if, if I found out I was going to die in a week's time, I would be so dialed into getting what I need to get done, done. Mm. I'd be, you know, so productive. Mm. Um, and I think it is important to remember your time on this earth is limited, yeah. no matter who you are. You don't mm. know when it's going to happen. So I, I say to myself, look, when you're going to be, at the final moments, if if you if you're lucky enough to have a deathbed, what do you want to look back at? Have what do you want to look back at to say I'm ha- I'm as happy that I did that, you know, and or I'm happy that I didn't do that or I, I didn't want to do that. So you got to therefore align yourself and do what you want to do so that you can actually look back and be proud of it. Most definitely, and that's why and that's how you use. I reckon that's how you use how you turn the fear of death into you flip it completely on its head. <laughs> And turn it into your most you turn into your most powerful motivator, your most powerful drive, and that's how you know the fear then becomes it doesn't become something that bogs you down in in itself. Instead, it gives you energy, and that's how I believe you conquer death because you're never going to beat it. You're going to die, mm. but if you can turn this fear into your greatest drive in a positive manner, then you could become unstoppable. 
I, I totally agree. And you know what? I think that is the perfect way for us to sort of wrap up the podcast there to, to, to do that. That, that, is, uh, that, that is great. Look, it's, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, Pav. Like I say, I've managed okay. to get through this whole podcast without giving any spoilers about, about what happens. So, uh, yeah, so people oh, can... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so people can, can watch the, the, the rest of SAS Who Dares Wins. And some people probably haven't even watched it yet. They're going to watch the box sets. So, uh, mate, I, I think you've done amazing on there. And... Um, Hopefully, Thanks, I'll, I'll I'll see you at uh, see you at some uh, events, and maybe even the Catherine Yomp at some point. I would love to do that. You know, thanks, thanks for having me. Not it's a problem, been mate. Wonderful. It's been great um, speaking to you. Cheers, mate. Brilliant. Okay, likewise. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that's Pav Singh. That is episode one of series two of the Alleycast. Do not forget, you can get over and sign up for the 4448 challenge over at alleycast.org. You can also sign up for the Himalaya 1600 challenge over on Gontabin. Events coming up pretty soon as well. Um, the Live now, if you go over to the Beer Black Sheep page, the Black Sheep Marathon is on there. Um, there is also the um, the Beauty and the Beast, the Black Sheep Beauty and the Beast, which, Beast, which is uh, just 30 miles. Just 30 miles, that's right. So you can go over there and sign up for that. Um, yeah, so there's absolutely loads going on this year, and we need to get out and support not only the Gontabin community, but also the, uh, the the Black Sheep and all the events that are going to be run by Avalanche Endurance Events. I'm just about to sign up for Tridents, um, so uh, three fan dances in um, in July of this year. So if you're going to be on the fan dance, Avalanche Endurance Events fan dance this year, I will see you there at some point, and I will definitely need your support. So give me a high five, give me a pat on the back, give me a push up Jacob's ladder, whatever you want to do, and we'll we'll get on with that. My next episode is with Helen Barnett. Helen Barnett was one of the first women on SO19, the Metropolitan Police's um, Specialist Firearms Unit. I think she was actually the first mum on there as well, so she was the first person to go on there who had kids. Um, so she was stabbed, she was shot, she survived a terrorist bomb, and had an absolute great chat with her. She's a really great girl, and she also now does a lot of work with Pilgrim, Pilgrim Bandits and a few other veterans and um, emergency services support networks as well. So, um, in a couple of weeks' time, that will be going live. Um, thank you very much for listening to the, the podcast again. Send me your feedback. If you're listening to us on Apple, please go over there and leave us a review on Apple as well. Um, get yourself onto the uh, Alleycast Facebook page where you can speak to me. Uh, if you send me a message, I will get back to you. Um, and also over on the Alleycast page, as well as the challenges, you can purchase yourself some um, really great Alleycast apparel and I've just added to that as well so there's some really great t-shirts over there as well that you can get yourself out and wear and it all supports the podcast um, and yeah once again really grateful you listen and thank you so much for your support we stand together united as one forward on we go facing friend and foe we will know what it is we have not time for that if we make mistakes we are lost